0: Welcome everybody to the BTS Creative Academy podcast, episode one. Uh, today we'll be interviewing and having a conversation with Jim Thompson. Jim Thompson is someone that I've known for a very long time. He is a true and wonderful friend, as well as someone that I have got a lot of creative inspiration and business knowledge and general knowledge in, in life from over the years. So I thought he would be someone very interesting to have a conversation with and see if there's any uh, there any kind of like nuggets of information that we may be able to extract from him today and share with the world. As we move forward with these creative uh, academy podcasts, I'll be looking to have conversations with people in the creative world from theater, film, television, to publishing, to the music industry, lots of different creative industries, having conversations, trying to find out what it is that makes them do what they do, why they do it, and if they can give you some information and advice along the way to help you in your career or your creative aspirations and just basically uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the show, you never know, there might be something in this for you. Can you hear yourself? I can
1: hear myself, yes. Good, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Yes. Could Could you just talk for a second? Yes, of course I can talk. One of the many skills that I have in this life is the ability to be able to talk incessantly for. Any particular
0: amount of time on no subject whatsoever? Uh, should we say this is a start to the uh, to the podcast, the st- <laughs> <laughs> to the very first episode? What a weird start!
1: By. Here I was thinking I was popping in for a coffee and a chat, and, and then you you uh, sat down, stick me in front of several cameras, some suspicious
0: lighting. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> on the stage, in and a some very nice chairs
1: though. I do I do like the chairs. Good. I think the chairs are the star of the,
0: the, piece. Of the piece. So, being the first, pod, first podcast, there's probably going to be a few mistakes, a few errors, but, but we're starting out aren't Well, we? I think the first mistake is getting me and you onto a podcast. Is because you never mistake. know what's going to come out. Once we get relaxed and we, and we feel our way into this. Well, that, let's just see how relaxed I get, because <laughs> if I start snoring, then you're in trouble. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's probably going to get messy. Could it get messy? I don't think it's get as messy as um, some of our early day conversations, you know. Because we've known each other for a long time, haven't we, Jim?
1: Oh,
0: I would say we. So I'm trying to think of when Rope was. I think that was 98. No, because I didn't start doing any theatre until 2001. No, no, no. Because
1: you, yeah. you were doing the 2020 thing for Hollow Council.
0: Yeah, but that was actually after 2020, no, so yeah, 2020, 2020 project, that was, Harlow 2020, but that didn't come out of the millennium. Oh, didn't it? No, no. So I didn't, yeah. Well, it just feels like I'm doing it. The first show that I did here was Rope, Yeah, and that was in 2002. Yeah. So that was 21 years ago. Wow,
1: 21 years ago.
0: Yeah, met you on this very stage. Yeah. 21 years ago.
1: One of my resounding memories of Rope, aside from meeting you for the first time, was the fact that my character had to smoke during that show. Right. And it was back in the days when you could actually smoke on stage. Mm-hmm. And I think I possibly smoked more cigarettes through that entire rehearsal process than I did through most of the rest of my life. <laughs> Just because the, it was The crazy things that, we do for theatre. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah. Yeah, great show. Was a terrible chest, but great show. It was it was an
0: amazing opening that that show with the cigarettes where you and Ian Atfield yeah Ian were in Atfield. the dark smoking and you had the, just the light of the cigarettes. There was no other light. Yeah, it was like that that strike of a match. And
1: uh, yeah, because it had to be consulate cigarettes as well because I had to because it was all period. Right. So it had to have like the all white looking cigarette. Um, because the, the modern cigarettes with the sort of like the, the fake cork uh, filter just didn't exist in when in when it was set in that time.
0: So, so it, uh, yeah, it, it all went, that was like right my early days of doing theatre, doing shows yeah. like that. And actually, if I think back, I think back that was a a, a massive moment for me, see, seeing that opening of that show and realizing the creativity that can go into a production. That yeah. isn't just about switching the lights on, about some actors on the stage. It's sometimes it's about these tiny little moments. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. There was a really nice sort of like mood lighting where we had the window and the light coming through the window. Yeah. And yeah, it, it sort of set the tone really because you weren't quite sure what was going on. Um, and obviously, just it, if anybody's seen the Hitchcock movie. Um, you kind of know what happens, but yeah, I, I went into that show thinking I had to do an American accent. Right? Okay. Did you not? The, no, no, no. I it, can't no, remember. No, I can't no, remember. It, was, it was a British. It was all set in Britain. Oh, was the, it? We the did plays, the British Brit- British the, right. yeah Yeah. Um, but the because I'd seen the Hitchcock movie.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, with Jimmy Stewart, I was like, kind of like, oh right, okay. I was thinking, oh god, I'm gonna have to do like a Jimmy I'm Stewart.
0: How's your Jimmy Stewart?
1: American accent or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, oh, God. But the one thing I did learn from that show, because Alan Jones directed it, mm-hmm. and this is something that I've done when I've directed shows, is the button method of directing. The button method? The button method. Okay. Right? No, so you get your this. script, right, and you design your set, and then you draw it out on a piece of paper, yeah. and then every character in the show is a button. Okay. And what you yeah. do is yeah. you read through the play mm-hmm. on your own as a director. Right. And you move the buttons around this bit of paper of the set so you can work out sidelines. So nice. when I've been to see a show And
0: so so does that help the actors or is that purely for the director to understand what's going on? Like would he did he share that with you? Because as an as an actor in it, I don't remember seeing the buttons. I don't remember ever him sitting down with me and going, "This button is you, Martin." No, or...
1: no, I, I asked you. Asked. I, I saw his little
0: diagrams.
1: Okay. And I because he had little circles written. I was like, what, what's, "What's all this in?" Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm ever the inquisitor. I will if I see something and I don't understand it, I'll go, what, "What's going on here?" Then, mm-hmm. how does this work? And That's how I've kind of you know picked up on sound and lights and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's that. Fa- I think is very very important as an actor. Yes. For you to understand all of the other elements that go into putting a show on. So when you and when you do become a director, you kind of go right. Okay, I know what tools I've got at my disposal, and I know what I can, what I'm looking for. It, it gives you better understanding of how creative you can be, if you've seen. How things work. yeah. Like, for instance, um, uh, when we did a production of um, The Witches, um, our mutual friend Mr. Kyle Jaggers um, and his daughter Amy uh, directed that. But it was about sort of uh, getting Jared to create loads of pipework under the set. So when I, I designed the set, so I knew that I had to make it big enough to incorporate all of the pipework so when all of the witches, at the, I'm not I'm not doing any spoilers here, I mean I'm, we're well, all fairly, yeah, if, you, we'll if, you story, if you don't know the witches, we'll <laughs> the witches yeah. So spoilers when, ahead. yeah, when the witches all end up being turned into mice mm-hmm. we had all this like green smoke that emanated from literally every part of the set and and as the witches all kind of turned into these mice puppets um, you know I was it we were able to kind of go all right this is what we can do if we do it this way we can incorporate it so yes yeah, so anyway so so, also, go, going uh, back
0: to, so how did that help you as as, as an actor that has that helped you understanding the pipe work and the special effects that might be in a show because then you
1: can kind of uh, say all right well I need to stand here or you might be able to suggest to your director, um, if I stand a bit further back then I've got the ability to slip off this way while there's a light and change going on and the smoke up there, you might be able to say, maybe if we could just incorporate a little trapdoor here or something, you know. Mm -hmm. You can make suggestions to the production as a whole to say, oh I've had an idea that might make this what you're trying to achieve easier, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the director will kind of go. I appreciate your input, but that is a bit too left field, or it doesn't, it's quite, not doesn't quite work. This
0: yeah. budget, or whatever. Um, but really, you as an actor, you want to be engaging with the director, don't you? you don't just want.
1: Oh, Scott, it's got to be a two way relationship. It has. Yes. Hasn't you've it? Got you've got to give back.
0: Um, as well as, as giving weird.
1: out from from an acting point of view. Um, I've you know I've been in. Some shows where I'm saying a line and I've gone, Oh, yeah, because of XYZ, and they've gone, The director's gone, What do you mean? So the, the director hasn't understood fully what the text is, whereas I, as an actor, have and had to kind of say, No, well, I'm saying it because of XYZ, and they go, Oh, right, yeah, I didn't actually understand what that line meant.
0: So within all your experience goes within the process of being an actor all the experience of doing the lights doing the sound creating just, the
1: just set g- generally being involved creatively full stop
0: what what have you what part of the theatre experience have you enjoyed the most would you say is it being an actor do you always yeah. come back to that yeah I always come back so to so there, there is is been discovering these other things you haven't gone oh now i'm going to just do directing. The, now I'm just going to do like. Light, no, there, there
1: is a there is a certain uh, there is a certain element of satisfaction when you, as a director, have got every last opportunity and uh, last bit of creativity out of your cast. The probably one of my proudest moments was just before lockdown and i directed uh, teachers, John Godford's teachers at the Playhouse. And I'd done it six years previously um, here at Vicky Hall. Um, But because we were coming back to the text, it was the same cast, same director, 90% the same design of set, but we were playing in the rounded instead of a cross arch. So we had to tweak certain elements. But because we were coming back to it, whilst we already had our characters established uh, as a cast, um, we were able to explore the text a bit more. So we were actually um, adding more to the performance because we'd had a bit more time to go, oh yeah, that meant that, so this means you've got to play it in this way. Which is something that, because because we did it initially with like a week's rehearsal and then a week's performance, second time we did it because of everyone's work commitments, it was a case of right. Well, we've got like some evening performances, uh, rehearsals here. Um, we've got a few afternoon rehearsals there, but we had a bit of time to really kind of explore things more. And it was the only time where I, as a director, sat in an audience. This was the last night of the, the show. Everything had just gone the best it had ever gone, and Mark has got a standing evasion, which I, I've never. Experienced as a director, I think I've only ever experienced it once, which was the first show I ever did here at Vicky Hall, which was Slice of Saturday Night, which is a musical. I don't really do musicals.
0: So, so when you say you haven't experienced that, how how did that make you feel as, oh, as a director? Eyes, what, was like a big, what, what was that feeling?
1: That is the biggest buzz, the biggest buzz.
0: So, you, so is, you're yeah. sitting there in the audience, yeah, 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 whilst your cast is on stage, yeah. Tell me, tell me about it. What, what's going? What's going on? Your cast is on stage. Go back to oh, that well, moment.
1: Well, yeah. So the, the the play finishes, and it's quite a poignant finish. The way that I, I did it, there's a sort of melancholy of this is the end for the play. This is the end for uh, the the students in the in the production, um, and. You, were, you anticipate there's going to be an applause but it was it was packed and then one person stood up and was like oh that's, that's nice and then and then it's sort of like a wave of emotion i suppose when everybody else then stood up as well and it just kind of it, it's like a it just wells up and kind of it catches you in the throat and you're like mm-hmm. oh Oh wow, wow! And you're so elated. You're so late for for your cast members. Um,
0: there's a funny thing with directing, isn't it? It's a when, if you have that moment, it there, there's this recognition recognition for others. You're giving to others. Oh god, then, sure, you're like the, the proudest p- parent ever. Yeah, but then then you receive you receive, don't you? The, what you receive from well, that. You know,
1: I suppose this this kind of boils into uh, you know why you're an actor. If you're in it because you want to be rich and famous, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. However, if you're in it because you like being the centre of attention and taking plaudits and and um, compliments, then that is really what <laughs> what you're tapping into, because. The the one thing you want as an actor director or a, a, any sort of if you are putting yourself out there what you want is for people to confirm and validate you as a creative. So if they're coming up to you and went, "Oh my god, that was you! That was brilliant! What them guys did there, that was excellent." That's feeding into your ego, um, and validating you as a creative. And I think that is that really is the essence. Of, of what we do, what any actor, performer, director, anybody in the creative industry, if you are validated by other people coming up to you and appreciating your work um, and what you've done and that they've enjoyed it, that their lives have become enriched a bit more by having experienced that, that is what it's all
0: about. So, I'm going to pause you there. Okay. Because you know how at the beginning how I said, this is the first podcast, we might make mistakes. Yeah. Might be a bit messy. <sighs> I think I've made a technical mistake. Oh, what did I didn't put one of my one of the cameras on aeroplane mode and someone's calling me and it's turned off the recording, I think. So, we're going to check that. I'm going to see. <laughs> Thank I'm going to, God, Thank you God know, we're so, on the podcast. Though, yeah, let's we? see. why well, we got to... Hold on.
1: All right. This is... Podcast. Um, I'm just going to do a little run and come through where Martin has had a look at the one of the three cameras, and uh, oh, he's just come back to his chair. I'm not quite sure whether he's uh, actually bothering with this or not. So, uh, did it so no, turn
0: it, did, it, it, didn't, it didn't. It didn't turn it off, which is which is good. But um yeah, so that's fine. But you've not but, turned it on, airplane mode. Uh, I've not. I've not fiddled with it because it's working fine. So whoever was calling me, can uh, can wait. Basically, because uh, this is more important today. Unless it was Hollywood. And unless it was Hollywood, of course. Yeah. Well, Hollywood's oh. on strike at the moment, aren't they? So. Oh, of course, yeah, Hollywood is on strike. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't need to worry about that. Yes, hence yes. Uh, hence our time is free. Oh, marvellous, marvellous. <laughs> hence our time is free. But, so, let, let's go back to that, why we're doing this. As Let's go, why we're doing this as an actor. For the right. fame. You, you touched on fame there a bit. And... You're doing it for the wrong reasons if you're seeking that why is why have you felt why do you feel like that because then you're not in it for the art you're not in it for the the desire the
1: inner need to be creative I am literally quoting Andrew pragnall's last play here. okay <laughs> De-
0: okay um, was it what does he say
1: so um, we recently did um, Thompson promotions which is one theater company And um, one of the things that I've been able to do is enable my brother-in-law Andrew Pragnall to uh, stage some of the the last two plays that he's written. This last one was called Inheritance and it was about uh, two painters and decorators working in a big house that turns out to be a bit haunted. And uh, my character was a musician. And uh, the other painter and decorator was basically a non-creative. And uh, his character uh, said, you know, what? what's the point in doing it? You don't get paid for it. And my character says it's not about it's not about being paid for it. It's just about
0: the inner need to be creative. It's just part of me soul. Do you think we develop that or do you think we're born with that? Because because some people don't get it. I talk to some people that don't do this. And they don't, they don't get it at all. They don't understand it. Why don't you, why don't you get a proper job? Yeah. <laughs> that's quite <you know, laughs> bad for most of my life. Well, I know why some don't...
1: people that have, um, that when they've gone to their parents and said, I want to be an actor, and they've gone, all right, we will support that. However, we would prefer if you've got a, a trade first, so that when you're not working as an actor, you can still be
0: earning money. So what about so, those people that don't support it at all? Those parents that go well, then you, you don't run. Uh, I suppose i not a parent, so or partners. Um, partners sometimes sometimes get it through partners, don't?
1: don't yeah, I suppose it. if you do that, do you run the risk of them rebelling,
0: not being your authentic self? Yeah, you know that's quite quite important, isn't it? It's not you're not being true to yourself if you if you don't fulfil this creative need within you. I think there has to be a certain element of realism though, you know,
1: if you you are, I'm in quite a fortunate position, you know, I'm I'm self-employed, I've got a graphic design business that is doing well, Um, I am doing more and more uh, public speaking coaching um, with
0: all my years of acting and stuff like that. So you've managed to take all the years of experience in acting in theatre and turn that into into a business yeah, and yeah. into skills that you can use elsewhere to bring in an income
1: yeah so i've been um, a, a drama teacher for many years in like after school clubs uh, all the way up to one point i was a, a lecturer teaching BTech drama at college um, and there are certain skills that you learn in how to in, in learning how to teach and relay information and that kind of spills over in the direction as well, because you're, you've got to have the ability to be able to have, oops, sorry, I'm <laughs> just looking I'll get very expressive with the hands. Um, so uh, taking information and understanding how you relate to the people that need to know the information. So as a director, you're teaching them the staging, how to perform, how to um, respond as their characters. Um, with the teaching, you're kind of teaching them like breathing skills, projection, uh, body posture, body language, all these different things, and that then has spilled over into going into the corporate world and and taking people who present and relay information, whether that's to customers or to their sales team or. You know, if they've got a product and they need their sales team to know about the key selling points of their product, how do you do that? And so understanding sort of like presentation skills and generally the relaying information and how you do it clearly and succinctly without going off on tangents and things like that, which unfortunately I'm terrible at doing, I will wander off on a tangent at moments, However when you're in the confines of this is your task that you need to accomplish, it kind of keeps your mind focused a bit. So, yeah, so the the years and years of doing that has enabled me. I mean, I don't really do much acting. I would love to do much more. However, there is a certain element of being realistic about what I can do, what is achievable. Um, Not everyone can be an A-lister. Not everyone. No, exactly. You know, and there are there are some people. You know, Joe Bacon, for instance. She played Martin McCutcheon's mother in Love Actually. And she's done other bits and bobs. She's been in him and her, and she was in the Horrible Histories movie that was just out a few years ago. And she is a, a jobbing actress. You know, she, she lives in a flat. She, you know, she's not a big, swanky A-lister. I don't think she wants to be. I think she, she's happy. She can pay bills doing the thing she loves. And I think if you are happy doing that, then you are doing things for the right reason. Mm-hmm. If your ultimate aim is to become the biggest Hollywood A-lister ever, that, that's all fine and well, but don't pin all of your hopes on that
0: at uh, like the age of 15. I think, I think what people I've see, seen a lot is I've seen a lot of the younger people coming up seeking that, that fame that realise it's actually quite hard work, this acting, this it's getting really involved with theatre, this getting involved with film. You've got to
1: have rhino thick skin because you've got to learn how to take that word no on the chin you know and I've got a pretty big chin so there's <laughs> maybe
0: some of their fame and validation has moved into to other things as well now it's moved into social media influences and you know they can be they can be you know they can love Ireland and love Island, I
1: who wants to be the next tick-tock viral sensation it, exactly
0: so that that fame thing is I, I feel like it may have moved away a bit from acting that that thing that oh, I'm gonna be an actor that's how I'm gonna be famous And they can just go and do things like that now. But if you want to do the art of acting or directing, it's hard work. There is a a process to it. Well, it's interesting because Paris Hilton, when she was... She was like the first influencer, wasn't she? She Well, she was the first
1: celebrity who was famous just for For being famous. famous. Mm. And I think everyone kind of looked at her and kind of went, hang on a second, she has no talent, she doesn't do anything. And yet somehow she's famous. I mean, aside from the fact that she was the daughter of a billionaire. <laughs> um, but yeah, and th- that all spiraled off from that. And Big Brother, um, you know, normal more people thrust into the spotlight. And what goes on from that? Um, yeah, like I said, Love Island, um, uh, Geordie Shaw. You
0: know, with all of those Tally, things, I all think. All of those things. From from people that are me and you that are actors, and we talk yeah. about this. It's, I, I sometimes you hear a bit of frustration and a bit of that that kind of thing when you talk about like celebrity TV and reality TV. Yeah, because there's no creativity in it. Yeah, there's no work in it. There's no imagination in there, is there? there well, is you no.
1: see that, but you know the 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 situation with Towie is that. They do have a, a script. True, yeah. It's, what is it called? Scripted realism or something now, isn't it? Mm. It's not a reality show. They had to adjust it because people went, well, hang on a second. It's not boring. actually just, <laughs> yeah. it's not like a documentary.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, so what, maybe what there's a lot of frustrate... creativity around those programmes. Sorry, say that again? A lot of creativity happening around those programmes then to to, to change it into... You know it's like a midway between reality tv and a soap i guess yeah those things have become haven't they yeah um it's almost like improving
1: really you know with with improv theater you get given a scenario and you get given your character roles and you go right and then you're gonna have an argument yes they go all right okay and then they go into it and somehow manufacture this argument out of nothing
0: you had a you had a period of time where you was doing a lot of improv stuff, weren't you? Even when you went into comedy, stand-up comedy for a while. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. With Jim Bambaramba. Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Jim (laughs) (laughs) Bambaramba.
1: Where did he go? Where did he come back from? (laughs) Where has he been? Oh, you see, I've been very busy, you know, I've been um, uh, running my own taxi business, but uh, since all the uh, nightclubs in
0: Harlow, hey, they're all closed
1: now, because everybody got into fights.
0: So is 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 that where we used to meet Jim Bambo Jim Bambo was um
1: a weird persona because I was the only driver in the group. Right, okay. And so I became de facto a
0: taxi driver. The group. You a group of friends? Yeah, a group of friends of which
1: you became part of. Oh right, okay. Um, I have vague memories. But you please. but you actually you you were one of the only other drivers. Yes. Um, but, um, yeah, so I didn't have a proper, um, nickname. And so, um, uh, our mutual acquaintance, Gemma, um, uh, spent a whole evening, uh, whilst intoxicated trying to come up with a nickname for me. Okay. And, um, the, all sorts of different things were coming out and, um, she said, what about Jim Bambarumba? And I went, oh, that's got quite a nice ring to that. And then it stuck. And and it, it, I kind of jokingly turned it into this, like, um, oh, I don't know, where his accent's from? I think I said at one point it was from Peru or something.
0: And it um, just, just evolved. It just evolved. Into it, it's, it's, so it started off as a, as a drunken night, like, bit of fun, um, conversation, yeah, 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 evolved into a stand-up performance
1: yeah so i I um I love the English language and I love how uh, you can like play around with certain things um, and thinking of it as a way of reducing uh, a concept that a foreigner learning the English language and how there are very weird things within the English language and how you can kind of relate on that um, and yeah, so it, that, that was kind of how I'd, I'd done a standard workshop, which was like over about eight weeks, where we understood, like, found out the, the the art of telling a joke and how there are different jokes that you can tell. So you've got the, um, like the art of misdirection and stuff like that, where you can be talking about one thing and go off on a completely different topic.
0: I personally thought it was hilarious when you did stand-up, I think that's some of the best stuff I've seen of you on stage. And I think the majority of the people in the room did as well. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it. I was, yeah, I did one. I was gig. always shocked in- when you came away, when you, when you didn't pursue it further. When you came away from it, I was always like, oh, I thought I saw Jim having his moment there. And then, and then I didn't see it anymore. And I was always like, oh. Uh, confidence. Oh. And what, what, what made the confidence stop? Um, I don't know, really. It's a funny thing that, isn't it? Yeah. Their confidence to do something.
1: I think I had too much pressure, put too much pressure on myself to try and come up with new material. Right. And I think I was struggling to come up with new material and I had too many other distractions going on in my life. Because
0: the the persona was great, the confidence was definitely there for the persona, the character. Yeah. And the original material that he had was definitely there. Yeah. It was, so it was just the putting in the the work to move that forward.
1: Yeah, I think if I, and I think this is why uh, you get a lot of stand ups work with other writers. So you establish your persona. You understand right. This is this is my angle. This is this character's angle, and then you get a team of people who sit around and go, "Oh, what about this for a joke?" You know, if you if you watch um, like comedians that do TV shows, like Russell Howard or, or, or like that, at the end when all the credits come up, you will see
0: written by Russell Howard and a stream of names. Yeah, additional mm-hmm. material from such as this. Yeah, and when you're starting out, you don't you don't have that. No, of course do not,
1: no. and which is why I think it is really ad- admirable. You know, I do take my hat off to those people who go out week in, week out and do comedy clubs. Um, you know, there's uh, a lady, Fiona Ridgewell, who is up and coming and is really starting to make a name for herself. And she works her arse off, um, you know, week in, week out. Doing gigs. Um, and it's only by doing that regular amount of work that you start to then really develop your material. There's only so, sort of, you know, my cat, it was very much a character monologue, what I did. What you really need, I think, personally, to be a, a, a really quality stand up is you need that ability to be able to interact with an audience. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to deal with hecklers um you need to We're have that so what
0: you is doing is you, you was doing a performance i was doing a performance you doing i think all, that is you was doing a one-man show and if someone got involved with that one-man show it doesn't doesn't it comes off script and that's not part of the script
1: yeah I, I mean i came off script once and that was just a lucky accident mm-hmm. so jim Bumbarumba did this whole thing about accents um so i first come to this country as i uh, landed in london and then um, i ask directions and um uh, i look for a big pile of apples and pears i had to plan. so we're going on about the, the sort of the cockney accent and then yeah. i talk about scouses <laughs> and then i said about oh and uh, then you have the Geordies, uh, who who can understand the Geordie? and at that particular gig there was a guy uh, graham his name was and because uh, i'll never forget that <laughs> he was supposed to have caught a flight from Stansted so this was in Bishop Stalford in the pub in Bishop Stalford and he'd already been singled out by a couple of the other acts before me i was like third on the bill and i had a joke that i knew was a Geordie joke and the, the joke goes a woman goes to a Geordie doctor and says doctor i've got a bit of a problem my vagina smells of coconut, and the doctor says, wait, it's <laughs> And I got this Graham, I invited Graham up on the stage to do this joke, and that my reason for doing was because uh, I, I couldn't, I cannot do the accent. Mm-hmm. And so then I was whispering like his part to him Right, okay. And he was like, I'm about playing the woman league. And it's just like, <laughs> no, 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 it was, it was really hard work. But the audience loved it. And I mm. think that's why you said you know, I was probably at my in my element at that time. Yes. Um, because I was getting that interaction. I was interacting with the audience. I had come off script. It was terrifying. But I knew all I had to do was get him to deliver the punchline of a joke. Mm-hmm. And then get off stage and then go back on script and i yeah so i whilst that was a a wonderful wonderful high um yeah i, I i'm not sure i could recreate that And i think that possibly was why i stopped doing it because it was like well that's as good as it's ever going to get
0: that was that that was that moment in time yeah that was that chapter yeah, yeah, yeah you did that you learned from it yeah you moved on you know i still
1: try and incorporate um uh humor into the things that i do you know, on my network mm-hmm. um, uh, for my business, and I always try and incorporate some um, humour in that. Um, there was one time I couldn't make my a meeting because I'd caught COVID, and so I sent in a little like uh, email for somebody to read out, and it started off with um, "Apologies for not being able to attend," um, but turns out it wasn't a lateral flow test uh, I picked up, uh, so uh, I don't have COVID. But unfortunately, apparently, it now turns out I'm pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> there are still elements of like humour that I try and incorporate into um, daily life. And... Because one of the things that I've found that is, if you can get somebody to laugh, you relax them. Um, and when you're dealing with like people, if you're constantly dealing with people you've never met before, if you can get them relaxed in your company, they're much more susceptible to ideas and things like
0: that another place that i've noticed you do that one of your other many skills and places where i've seen you in your element is when you've been and i i don't know if you'll be upset with me bringing this up on here because oh, hopefully there's well if there's any younger audiences watching when you have played father christmas is that a way to put it Play father oh, christmas <laughs> when you when you've been the big man himself Oh yes, yes, uh, yeah. How many How many years have you been doing that now? For
1: oh, I think I've been Father Christmas for at least one thousand seven hundred and sixty-eight years. Yeah, no, I've been Grandpa Santa since two thousand and five. Yeah, so well, Oh my God, that's eighteen years. Eighteen years. Eighteen years. One year old. I had one year off to play the Ghost of Christmas present. Right. Which effectively is Santa Claus. It in and out <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's I mean that's that's been, it's and been in interesting. a way
0: that's a that's that's mixing both that performance of an actor and that stand up. Well it's sitting down the, in the, the chair but and being spontaneous. Yeah, it we going back to
1: improv, basically, yeah. is what it is. Um, You go back to improv and you are responding to uh, a live audience, live suggestions. The kids are coming up asking you for various things for Christmas. I had some, I thought, oh, what would you like for Christmas? And they said, oh, I'd like some cheese. You go, oh, cheese. Goodness me, any particular type of cheese?
0: Like a Roquefort or a cannon bar?
1: uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you just have to... Take that moment you just got roll with, with that it. child and you just have to go with it, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to roll with it. Yeah, and you can't um, you can't you can't pause or, or or look for the question or you just have to have a conversation.
1: Yeah. That's um, engaging
0: and fun and funny. But also, you know, uh,
1: so when COVID hit, oh, I stopped doing the grotto uh Santa Ring. And I was, in, I think, pretty much all of Santa's that year were forced Stop. to go. Yeah. On you couldn't Zoom go, you couldn't go to see Santa. Could you in 2020? You no,
0: could, exactly. You know, that would break all the rules. Yeah. Um, and so, what did the, what did the, what did the children do then if they couldn't go to see Santa? So I set up Santa on Zoom with um,
1: no. uh, my my friend Ash of Intercounty Computers. Um, set up, basically, uh, set me up. He built a uh, Booking website for me, um, and I utilized Zoom um, because the chats weren't long enough for me to need a paid version. Sorry, Zoom, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, But a single child chat was 15 minutes. Now, in a normal grotto, you get five minutes max, depending on how big the family is, you know, Um, and a kid comes in. This is the thing that has always kind of bugged me about Santa is that all year long, the kids are being told by their parents. Oh, will Santa will oh, know, because Santa knows everything. And yet the second a child goes into a grotto in like a supermarket or a garden centre or, you know, an activity farm or whatever. <laughs> the first question that Santa says, oh, what's your name? It's like, Hasn't oh, no, 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 Santa should already know that. Santa <laughs> should know their name, how old they are. You know when their birthdays. You know good behaviour is good behaviour. Yeah, no bad, no, bad behaviour. Yeah, mm. um. So this then enabled parents to book with Santa. And then I sent a lot of questions to the parents, and they answered the questions. I had that information with me, so when I chat to the kids, the kids appeared on the screen, and I knew everything about them. And that was that was a big turning point for me with regards to. How great Santa can be. For for you? For me absolutely but I think also for for the parents that have had that experience and being able to see that because the kids are kind of like looking around going, how does Santa know that? Wow that's amazing. Um, It was a shame that once Grotto's reopened the parents, despite saying, "Oh no, no, we we'll definitely come back again next year," because I sent a little like um, questionnaire after the um, the chat, and um, they all they all vowed that they would uh, absolutely come back the following year. And like, it's uh, dwindling returns really every year. I do it, the less and less come back. Why? Why do you think that is? I think it's just you know people. It's part of their. Christmas routine is they go out, they do the Christmas shopping, they take the kids to see Santa. There is just something about it that is a bit more traditional I suppose. Um, The the die-hard families that I have stuck with me, um, you know, they love it and um, you know I'm incredibly grateful for them for sticking with me on this. Um, It tends to be families where the the child has uh, an element of um, dealing with autism as part of their makeup Um, and so the the social anxiety of going out and waiting in a queue is is too much for them to handle so the understanding of I can be there you know you can say right at this time you're going to be chatting to Santa it's all very definite and so those kids are the ones that are tend to have stayed with me for
0: longer so. So someone that, that didn't discover you during Covid so someone new yeah coming to see Santa on Zoom
1: yeah
0: where would they find you?
1: Santa on zoom.co.uk it's Santa as simple as that, on yeah.
0: Zoom.co.uk. yeah simple as that simple as that and they can book you in you can book in there's a the calendar
1: you can book online uh, you can book a single kid you can book siblings uh, which is a bit of a longer chat uh, you can book uh, you can you can book for your like under two, but to be honest, you don't get much of a conversation from <laughs> an under two. Um, and uh, you can record you can uh, uh, get a recording of the chat for prosperity or if you want to blackmail your kids in like eighteen years' time. Um, and uh, what's new for this year, it's been happening, but I've never had an official sort of like product to sell. Is if you've got uh, if you're a, like a primary school teacher and you've got a classroom that would like to all meet Santa, then you can Zoom because a lot of schools have got like these smart boards now, so you can kind of appear. Uh, I can appear as Santa on a smart board um, and chat to all the kids uh, in a class, and you know that's been quite good because I can chat to uh, English pat, expat classes. I've done Spain. I've spoken to kids in uh, Manila, in the Philippines. I've spoken to a, a little girl who was in Peru. Um, that's the be- I do have a regular uh, two customers from America, who um, basically they they kind of accept the time difference, and they're like one of the I can't one of the earliest or one of the latest ones I do in the day. But yeah, they they kind of they they judge it so that. It fits in with both our time frames.
0: Because um, so I I know you do have you do have a big lot of regulars that do come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it about what you're doing that they choose to see you over over that shopping mall centre that that uh, that centre that they can visit when they're out shopping or you know they can pop in and see why do they why do they choose to come back to you? Oh, it's it's the believability
1: because my centre me as Santa knows everything and it's not just a case of going oh yes well i've been fed this information if they come year in year in i've got all of the information from the last year and the year before
0: and the year before that i can look back at you before. almost become like a part of the family like a like a like a, like a distant yeah, yeah. uncle like a, well exactly, exactly you know a and it's like, like a ca- it.
1: case of catching up going oh yes yeah. so oh so you moved have you because there's one there's one girl who, um, you know, this this will be their fifth fifth year, fourth year, something like that. Um, but I know last year that they moved house because it's a weird thing. Because the way that Santa was coming into the house, I was using a magic key initially, and last year when the information came through, all of a sudden I was coming down the chimney. I was like, oh, hang on a second. Why has that changed? Why has that changed? That, have you moved house? Ooh. And I did enjoy coming through the balcony door and things like that. And now we've got the chimney. Now you must remember. Not to light the fire before before I come down. The wall. I don't want to get singed bottom, do I? <laughs> and you say the word bottom to a kid, well, they're creased up, aren't they? Cool. <laughs> so yeah, it's the continuity. There's there was one kid that I chatted to who um was nervous about going for an operation. You know, and it doesn't always have to be jolly since Santa can have a sensitivity and uh, a wisdom of somebody of his age that you can kind of, you know, you can say, Look, it's it's all right. Um, uh, this, this boy, you know, had uh issues and he, he he'd been raising, a, he was quite an inspiring lad. You do meet these kids that you kind of go, Wow, these are amazing children, and he'd been like raising money. For uh, the hospital ward that he'd been being treated at, um, and he was having to go back in for a, an operation, and uh, he was he's really nervous about it. And you know, as Sandra I was like, well, you know, often you know when faced with a, a big event, often the anticipation of it is greater than the actual doing of the event. And then you, you get the parents kind of all welling up and kind of going, yeah, oh yeah, they see, it. even Santa's telling you that. it's going to be all right. And you can you can add that, you know, that element that if the parent has been asking the, the child to do something or trying to reassure the child about something, to have Santa back the parent up is something quite magical the parents mm. it's not it's not
0: just about the kids having though. having also been done some centering myself well mm. oh, um, you i think you probably had the hardest that i've ever ha- heard about oh god what, what was that, the what the thinking? child's last christmas that was on my that was on the first year that i'd done it oh my god that, that was just the where, where where the young kid it was there yeah i'd done done the routine everything was fine the little boy was was really happy and pleased and you know, when some of these kids, when they come in to see you as Father Christmas, they look at you and you can see the magic in their eyes. Yeah. They give you this look that you don't see anywhere else. Like they're like, they sit there and they're, wow. Yeah. This is, this it's the eyes, isn't it? It's, it's
1: the eyes it, that always was doing. It, you they're,
0: can see lights like, they like saucers. Like yeah. <gasps> they are starstruck and, beyond, you know, they can't believe where they are and who, and who they're getting this opportunity to, to speak to. And it was really nice. And, uh, I noticed at the back of the room the dad was the dad was standing there, and uh, he was crying and and that does happen sometimes you know they mm-hmm. they become overwhelmed with emotion the parents when they see the way that the, the child reacts but afterwards he came over and he's and he was like can I can I give you a hug? um <laughs> <laughs> oh my it, It's my it's my son's last Christmas, and just, this this it meant just breaks your heart. Yeah, it? this meant everything and. Yeah the the reward, it, it it's so rewarding isn't it there is
1: something really magical about santa um about what santa represents yeah and it it, it crosses
0: religion it crosses different cultures that I know. mean that
1: is that is the one thing about um santa on Zoom, is when you get inquisitive kids right because
0: they go but well, you get them, well, bit, you don't get them everywhere, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Santa on Zoom,
1: because I've got a two screen set up. So I've got my laptop that I do the Zoom call on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then I've got my main computer where I have like the information. And sometimes that's information about the kids, sometimes that is a quick um, tab alt flick to a different screen where there's like facts about Santa, like I'm trying to remember the names of the reindeer. Yeah. Well, well what's, what's all the names of the reindeer? Well, well, do you remember all the names of my reindeer? <laughs> Thinking, ask, I'm going to palm this back to you here. Yeah, yeah. uh, how fast does your uh, sleigh fly through the air, Santa? Well, control tab, uh, well, it, it travels at over six million miles per second. I'm, I'm plucking in numbers there, I don't know I actually know what it is, no. but I do have that information. You do have the official how, statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How old right, are you? Right. Oh, I, and sort of, so um, the Feast of St. Nicholas is on the 6th of December, and I've sort of piggybacked on that, to say that that's Santa's birthday. Which is great, because if you've got kids who are celebrating their birthday quite soon as well, right, around fits, that the same time, in, now, it all kind of fits in. You go, oh, I'm celebrating birthday as well. Have a guess how old I'm going to be this year. <laughs> so yeah so you can kind of like corporate but yeah knowing all the bits and bobs about all the little nuggets like um you know uh the, the Dutch celebrate Claus where they put their shoes outside and Claus uh, puts the presents in the shoes or like in Poland they celebrate on Christmas Eve they open all the presents on Christmas Eve it's like understanding all these different sort of uh, nuances of different uh, cultures or, or different countries that kind of do things slightly differently to the UK. Um, but yeah, it's it's I mean it's quite fascinating. There's a really interesting book, uh, The Undisputable Science of uh, Santa Claus, which is written by I don't know if any uh, uh, the curious case of Rutherford and Fry is a podcast. Um, where basically two scientists who kind of try and look at different theories and stuff like that. But uh, Fry is one of the uh, authors of this, and it kind of looks at you know all the if if a scientist were to look at the mechanics of how Santa light like, exists and how he uh, can deliver every to every child across the entire globe and things like that, there's little elements of that which I've kind of incorporated in to make it a bit more, like for instance I do not take any more Santa on Zoom calls after 12 noon, in fact actually I'll cut off at about 11am on uh, Christmas Eve and they go, "All right, okay, so the reason is because at twelve noon, Santa should be delivering presents over to in New Zealand. He's he's off at work. So all that morning I'm like, Oh yes, well I've got a little bit of going before I then start delivering presents. And obviously the whoever gets that last slot on Christmas Eve is you know, is feels really special because they are the last child that Santa spoke to before he started delivering presents.
0: You really do, mate, you really do work hard at making this a a magical experience for them, don't you?
1: Oh, God, it is the most important thing to me that the magic of Christmas is alive and well and continues. There's nothing better. I think this kind of taps into my first acting experience. It is the, the joy and the wonder of Magic uh, that I can give kids at the centre that kids can experience being part of, like, a theatre school that has adult actors around them. So, I was at the age of eight, I um, was involved in a production of Joseph and his Technical A Dream Co in the Gulbenkian Theatre in Newcastle. This theatre company had gone around and gone around all the schools in the area and found some of the best kids to be part of the chorus, going ah on like the balcony. Mm-hmm. And it, I was just like surrounded by all these amazingly talented adults and the lights and the it was just like this magic world in this like professional theatre where you had to make sure you didn't touch the lights around the mirrors because you'd burn yourself. <laughs> and and all of these sort of like the, the applause, the audience, the, the live band, uh, live band as an eight year old, uh, experiencing that that sound, feeling the vibration through the stage. It's just like, oh my god, this is amazing. And
0: I think that is just that's echoing through what you're doing now yeah isn't it it's, yeah. Just it's just all through my life something that you experienced at a young age yeah is continue you're, you're continuing to spread that feeling yeah out and i keep i keep going to say this and, and i'm probably going to cut i'll well, we'll cut cut this bit but you're touching so many children aren't you <laughs> 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 no, you're, you're genuinely touching so many children. Uh, legal disclaimer,
1: that is a metaphorical <laughs> touching of uh, children, not an actual physical
0: physical way. But uh way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I am DBS checked. <laughs> <laughs> but you've, you've managed to, to take this, this thing at a, at a young age of eight years old, this experience, and you've continued to drive that through everything you do in your life. Haven't yeah. you? You've tra- taken that kind I mean, Some would team. argue
1: that I've just never grown
0: up and
1: that I've just been True. playing pretend Ever my since entire life.
0: And I think you know there's but, but, that is never. But is but where you is that a bad thing?
1: Uh I or is that
0: a good thing with what you've been able to give to others? The the, the messages you've set, spent, the the entertainment that you've given the knowledge that you've been able to spread the businesses that you've set up that's an interesting question
1: that is an interesting question um, I do believe there probably is a little bit of a legacy I will be remembered by some people as that teacher who inspired them um, I do have you know a few students that have gone off and Become, you know, professionals in the industry. Whether that was because they, had always, you know, they had the same drive as me, and also because you inspired them. Or whether I was part of their in some way, yeah, one Mm -hmm. piece of their jigsaw, which would be nice, you know. I. Again, it's it, it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, is is that my validation? that i have made an impression on somebody and will be remembered for that i want people to be entertained
0: generally uh, whether that is a, a is it is it just the entertainment though is it just someone sitting back and mindlessly being entertained or is it something Of more, like you just touched on, more of a a legacy or the inspiration that you're. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah,
1: um,
0: yeah. If I if I've inspired people,
1: if yeah, that'd be nice. That would be nice. Mm. Um, I just kind of stumbled through life, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I've taken the opportunities when they've arrived. Um, I am happy with my lot. You know, I'm content um i would probably like to do more acting um and directing but only in like a, an amateur capacity um, and yeah i i i like the fact that i if there was somebody out there that kind of said oh we did Santa on Zoom and it's like the best the best you know that that sort of validation like Santa on Zoom is the best online Santa you're ever going to get that that would be a great legacy to have you know that was something that I did that I achieved and that will remain
0: forever in you know the the good thing with the internet is that things go on the internet and it's there in perpetuity but even that one child even that one child that one family yeah that you changed, you, you know, you again, you put piece of the bit, uh, piece of the puzzle there. Yeah, piece of the jigsaw yeah. of that person's life.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I will, always, yeah, if it, that'd be nice to be that person that will always be. Oh, do you remember when we did this and yeah. that plot was great, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah, I think you've also managed to do this in um, having having done business with you. And yeah. and Santa on Zoom is a business, isn't it? Oh it's yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah, you have yeah, you, managed it. to ma- you've managed to make a successful business over the past three or four years. I mean, you know, it's very Spain.
1: it's very tricky because it's very limited on when the business
0: opens. Yes, <laughs> it comes up at one <laughs> so time. People have it. said, "Oh,
1: what did you do Easter Bunny?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't know, I don't, know. I don't know what Easter Bunny <laughs> would talk about, really." You know? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you did you find your egg? Yeah.
0: But it but at that time of year you're successful you have something that you can yeah. that you can go to that will generate you an income yeah that will serve you creatively as well yeah um and and that legacy gives thing. yeah it gives me my performance fix it gives my you a performance fix once a year so it, it it does good for you and it does good for your bank account yeah like it's good your for the endorphins. Two f- exactly um and i wanted to go back to over the years, how we've known each other and the the business that we've we, we set up a years ago uh, a, a small little business, Mister Creator, didn't we? Yes. D- tell me about that, the Mister Creator, because that's what it's tenth year now, still running. Oh no no no! Twenty thirteen now, so this will be year thirteen. Thirteen years. in August. Yeah, thirteen years we managed to. So that was
1: uh, sitting having a Chinese, both of us unhappy with all. Normal, jo- normal, normal job. Normal jobs, normal jobs that we were trying was, to do. Yeah, I was a health and safety officer for a Swedish indoor air climate company, and, and I was, was working a in a bank. Was it Lloyds or Halifax?
0: Uh, at that time, it was Halifax. Halifax. So,
1: yeah, yeah. And then you came up with the idea of because so I'd like, been doing. I I did all you know, creative doing cards and stuff like that, and been doing creative stuff for like other people, um, and you. You said, "Why don't we monetize this?" Why don't we? Yeah, because you uh, had this like website building program that you used.
0: Well, I d- d- yeah, discovered that yeah that and, building um, websites, you know, was something that we were capable of doing. Yeah, it, I, we had creative flair and, had a, creative and a bit of sales flare. experience, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, and I think the, the sales experience came into to it as well. There didn't it? it yeah, um, from the, there was an experience from working a normal job and oh, working with the bank that I could transfer over into into starting up our own own business yeah and some of those um I'll
1: call them legacy customers now some a lot of them have gone by the way now because mm-hmm. they've shut their business down and so they've kind of like left Mr Career but there is still yeah you know, I don't do websites anymore because you've stepped away from the business uh it wasn't really my area of expertise on focused on the graphics
0: that's kind of just what it got it got it got the ball it got the ball rolling yeah yeah yeah, yeah, exactly um and uh
1: so i yeah there's there are still some websites that exist that have continued with these legacy customers um and yeah it's it's like i said 13 years and that's kind of that has been the thing that has sort of kept it going, really, is that uh, expectation of, well, I can't let these people down. Because there have been times where I've thought, you know what, especially when you were, you had to step away from the business, it was me running on my own. And I ended up working elsewhere and it this great became very much a something that was sitting in the background, just ticking over. It was kind of covering its own tiny costs but wasn't really doing anything as a business and then I kind of ended up going I've got this business here I could be making profit for myself instead of working for other people and making profit for them Um, so it got really reignited about six years ago and it's kind of yeah, really kind of flourished since then.
0: Um, So it's, it's taken 13 years to get to this point of like flourishment where it's a it, just, it had flourished before lockdown, it, it did, and then it? when lockdown
1: kicked in, nobody needed any graphics no. doing, because everyone was sitting on Canva at home twiddling their thumbs and having to play around with stuff.
0: Yeah, and people weren't needing to hand out business cards. No, I mean, exactly. Really nobody, yeah. So, uh, Covid was tough. Mm. Um, and people were, uh, it was a period of time where everyone was a bit unsure of the future. People, yeah, it was a good eighteen
1: months before um, Mr. Creator was back, sort of trading as normal. Um, and really, yeah, it's this this last tax year was sort of back to pre-pandemic levels of of business. So it's been it's been it's had its.
0: It's said it's tough moments, yeah. But uh, but talking of tough moments, I think that I I find it really interesting looking back. At those thirteen years ago, when me and you were in that Chinese, and I know we were in a similar situation Mm -hmm. at the time of both not liking our jobs, but I was in definitely a a desperation time, yeah, a a desperation of my life needed to go in a different direction. Yeah, I needed to be in a different place of work, a different way to be making money, and looking back, I was in a a bit of a, a black hole. Yeah. And I had to get out. Yeah, and through having to get out, we got out. Well, I was in a
1: very black hole, you know, because well, I was, I was dealing with a major bout of depression at that point, mm-hmm. you know, corporate burnout. I was, um, you know, signed off
0: uh, with stress, so I was very much in a. So we were both in a. We were, we were both, yeah, mirroring yeah, mirroring yeah, yeah. in the same place. And I get and having been friends, and like I say, it was a, a night of a, a Chinese. We, we said to each other, "Let's do this. Yeah, let's get out this way. Let's yeah, get out yeah. to get, let, let, Let's let's hold each other's hand and yeah. climb out of this hole. And we did. And I and I think in that first year, I always remember. I think we made we managed to make about twenty thousand in that first year, didn't we? Something like that. Yeah, we I know we went to down our friends and family because we yeah well. <laughs> We reached out to people, didn't we? we yeah. said we could. We reached out to our friends and family. Oh, we, why not? We
1: reached out. We pounded the streets.
0: We yeah. We walked the streets we did with it, leaflets, we did it, yeah. and we spoke to everyone we know. And we said, "This is what we can do. This is how we can help you." Yeah. And uh, that was the start. But well, we'd like to take some money for that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. we, that, we was,
1: that was also when Thompson Promotion started as well. So mm-hmm. I started doing hiring in a, a, a tribute acts to this theatre and selling tickets so i'll pay for the act to turn up and then i would sell the tickets and everyone was happy um and yeah so that was yeah i basically had to start kind of thinking right how am i going to cover my share of the household
0: bills and things like that um through not having a nine to five through not having steady, a steady job yeah yeah that doesn't that doesn't necessarily serve you no, so I, I, it, it never served me. Well, I, it, it, it you know it, it served me in the sense that I could, I could pay pay the rent, I could pay the and there was yeah, that, there, there was a comfort and security in that normal income every month. There is a certain sense of financial stability
1: mm. that you get from a nine to five job that you don't get from performing arts. We're saying about if you're if if you're uh, getting into acting for being rich and famous, what you've got a what you've got to learn is that nine, probably even more than that, it's probably like ninety-eight percent now of all actors are unemployed. Or unemployed. Yeah, because David Tennant's getting all the jobs, or Margot Robbie, or Olivia Colman. You know, well, if, even if you, even you, know, you sat
0: down with a pen and paper and tried to write down how all the names you can think of on TV and film. Yeah. And And then you went okay. Now, how many people have actors? It would be ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, probably. You know, and even you know, and even if you're you're lucky enough to get into a a show where you're paid to be in in the show, you know that's very far and few between as well. And it only often is for a short period of time, if that. So you often get a contract for two or three months. So yeah. So So you need. So you need. To earn a living. Yeah, that's for sure.
1: And you know if if you do have other strings to your bows, where you could, you've got access to like a local venue where you could kind of put on your own shows and generate a bit of income that way. Um, if you can generate profit that you can then put back into it, that so that you could then maybe end up hiring a a theatre in London fringe or going to Edinburgh with your show and things like that. If you've got the ability to write and produce your own material, that is your way of getting in. That's how um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge started. You know, she had her one-woman show Fleabag, that she took to Edinburgh. It got spotted. It then got bought into a theatre in London where she performed it. Somebody saw it and went, "We'd love to develop this." It then became a two C two series.
0: Um, sitcom. And Ten and years, years then later from she's that... with Spielberg and Harrison Ford and, Exactly. You know. um, there are But again of... that happens few and far between. So the, the, you have to bring in the realism, you have to be, okay, so if this process doesn't happen for me, I need to also be thinking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And we managed to do that, didn't we? We managed yeah. to find a way to, to do that. We've create starting Mr Creator. Yeah. Um, and there is the potential of, you know, where
1: that might take us. Um, you know, with Mr. Career, I've started to kind of expand a bit more on the video production side of things.
0: And that took you down one road and it took me down a different road as well. Yeah. You know, but still still pursuing the the, cre- the creative stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: And how does that how does that make you feel compared to that 13 years ago to think? Of getting out of that dark place that you're in, how do you how do
1: you feel now? Uh, I mean, I'll go ha- go down a slightly different chat about mental health here, but um, I'm in a good place at the minute. I've had moments where uh, I've not been in a good place. Um, depression is something that I know that I have to manage um, and the best way of managing it is by keeping busy and ensuring that my day-to-day existence is varied um, that I don't get brought down by the monotony of repetitive tasks uh, and doing the same old are we, uh, what's the, the, are we, um, can we swear on this or is it? Yeah, we'll bleep it out. Yeah, same old shit day in DL day basically. Um, also, understanding that uh, going to the gym is good. Keeping physically fit. Physical health fit, is good as well. Um, and also having a dog, going out for walks. Yes. That's been really good as well. Um, so, yeah. If you'd have said 13 years ago, this is where you're going to be, I'd have bitten your hand off. Actually, I'd be like, yeah, great.
0: Um, you'd yeah. Do, I, I think I think you'd be proud of yourself of where you've come. Oh, absolutely. So the journey, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. yeah. It has, yeah. It's, it's not sunshine and roses all the way. No, but and... the rewards that you've reaped in this time have been far greater than what they would have done staying where you were. Yes, staying in that position. Yeah, you moved forward. I did move forward. Yeah, and that direction was a little bit scary at first, a little bit daunting. Yeah. And like I say, it had to, it's had some moments. Like I say, I had to step away from from the business because of my my troubles I was having. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't always... Yeah, wasn't, it hasn't always been great. But it's been far better than if we'd have stuck on that part for two creatives being stuck in that place of...
1: Being shackled Being, to, being shackled yeah. to
0: a desk to being in an office being in being under someone else's control oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't what we could do with our what what we're here you know what we could do with our lives yeah 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 we do, it doesn't it just doesn't fit with yeah what we're here for it's not it's not who we are and it's not who we are no we wouldn't be being true to ourselves no not that's... being true to ourselves for me i find is one of the most painful things to experience
1: yeah
0: it that's when I go into a dark place. Yeah, when I'm not being my authentic self, when I'm not being true to to what I should be doing. Yeah, it it hurts. Well, this is and right this is nice, isn't it? Yeah, this is. It way to spend the time. It? It's not bad. <laughs> Sitting here talking to one of your best friends. I feel
1: what we need is like a glass of brandy and a cigar. Oh, Although I did quit smoking
0: quite a while ago, <laughs> so I don't know whether that. Then look. Yeah, I'd just be coughing
1: and choking my way through.
0: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll come back to this in thirty years from
1: now. i <laughs> have a glass of brandy and a Yeah, cigar. very, very nice. And I'm terribly, terribly drunk. <laughs>
0: So yeah, so uh, talking about 30, coming back to this in 30 years from now, the we've talked a lot about your past, Jim, what about what about the future, what's the future bring for you? What's next? Um, Any more shows on the horizon? You're getting back into theatre?
1: Yeah, I'd like to do another show next year, I was in the last one, I'd quite like to direct again. Uh, so it's just finding the right vehicle, really, the right script. Um... And there's uh I would like with Mr. Creator to expand the video production side of things. Um I do find that I'll get quite a good buzz from that. And yeah, just just basically um get to a point in the yeah, you know, I, I want every year to be better than the last year. Um to have bigger things achieved um more you know more profit in the bank um because it's all fine and well doing this for the love of doing it but at the end of the day we've still got bills that we need to pay and, and things we want to do and it'd still be nice to go on a holiday you know? exactly yeah exactly and that's been a big thing for me over the last few years is ensuring that i've got enough money to kind of go and have Proper breaks away from it's all fine and well saying oh, well I'll, I'll have a week off but you're still around the house doing bits and bobs so
0: it's never exactly yeah, yeah.
1: you don't really fully unwind like you do when you go away away um, so that's been that's been nice um, I, I would like yeah to to have the the, the finance to be able to do that um, you know it, it'd still be nice to kind of maybe put. One of Andrew's plays on in London. I think Andrew? my, my brother in law Andrew probably, yeah. I think his plays are good. I think they're they're worthy of a, a bigger audience. Um so it would be nice for to, to have that, to kinda of go, yeah, we did that. I think at the end of the day, you've got to every year try and do something that you've never done before. Because then it makes the year a bit more worthwhile. It's like, well, gone through another year because trust me, the the rate that we get through these years as you get older.
0: It's it is speeding up, isn't it? Sure. Well
1: it's all it's all <laughs> to do with um uh, theory of relativity, isn't it? <laughs> What's that the Einstein's the theory of relativity? <laughs> so as time goes by it goes quicker. Mm-hmm. But the reason for that, so as a kid, right, if you're six years old, a year is a whole sixth Of your life it's a big chunk of that pie so imagine your entire life as a circle as a pie chart so as a six-year-old that one year is a sixth of your life as a now 47 year old a year is now a tiny sliver of that pie and as every year adds on each pie slither slice gets smaller smaller and smaller so as we perceive it every year is going by quicker and we'll continue to get quicker until we die
0: until we die until we die
1: which you know
0: could be next week so so yeah so in that time we 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 need to feel (laughs) it could be be as you leave the building yeah trip over land Uh, on a spike who knows it could be over before this podcast is released oh my god i could yeah this could be your final chat (laughs) Any final words, Jim? <laughs> um, it's been lovely.
1: Uh, I've loved life. And um, look after everybody. And look after the
0: earth. Thank you. I will show to play that at your funeral. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, if no, you're if at this at funeral, your funeral, there's got to be then this funeral, what on. I want to say
1: at my funeral is, uh, I hope you're all really crying lots. I don't want any happiness. I want you all to really grieve the loss of my life. On this planet, you
0: know I'm playing this. If I die before, if you die, before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure Jane would approve. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah. Maybe I'll play one it thing I've said to Jane, though. Pardon?
1: Uh, is that um, I would like the Galaxy Song from Monty Python's Meaning of Life to be played at my funeral. What's the Galaxy Song? The Galaxy Song is the. Um, If you look at Monty Python's Meaning of Life, this is a song that happens around about the middle of the film uh, just as um, uh, a character has been asked for their spleen or liver. It's the live organ transplant section of the film and it's a song sung by Eric Idle which basically goes on about how big the universe is and how uh, insignificant our individual lives are here on Earth. Because in the grand scheme of things... I don't think I know this song. You You know, I
0: I know it's quite classic to always look on the bright side of life. Okay, so
1: you Google the Galaxy song.
0: Could you give me me a
1: verse? Just remember that we're standing on a planet that's evolving and revolving at 100 miles an hour. I don't know the rest of the words. (laughs) But,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look that up. Yeah. So we'll be playing that I'll have along to with look at the lyrics, that, yeah. <laughs> along with a moment from this podcast. Yes,
1: yeah. and hoping that I'll just, um, uh, yeah, you don't want me singing the whole time. That's another podcast. Jim sings Monty Python. Yes, followed by uh, I'll start off with the Galaxy Song. Follow off with uh, I like Chinese, which is incredibly racist and you could never get away with public broadcasting anymore. And then the penis song, or or the not the "Noel Coward song" as it's also known. Um, Yeah, I could go on with Monty Python,
0: really. Just in general, or in general. So this isn't for your funeral anymore. This is
1: what I've used Monty Python in numerous uh, cases all through my life, Um, especially in teaching. Monty Python is very good at teaching kids. I wanted to the ask you about
0: this, actually. What? Your inspirations for some of your creativeness. Would you say so I, I know Monty Python is a inspiration for you. Um,
1: uh, Doctor Who um, which actually yeah, I sort of got into anyway as a kid. But I discovered Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams and then discovered that actually quite a lot of um, Tom Baker's uh, Doctor Who stories were written by Douglas Adams. Um, And it's that creativity of off the wall bonkersness that I've enjoyed. Um, As a kid, I grew up watching a lot of Laurel and Hardy. So the slapstick comedy of that. In fact, I wrote my dissertation for my BTEC H&D drama on the the, the humour of uh, Laurel and Hardy and how they're still, you know, as popular, maybe not as popular as today, now as they they were, but you say Laurel and Hardy and you know who they are. Everyone knows, yeah. Although maybe the generation of today don't.
0: Which is probably frustrating.
1: And I think the one thing that the youth of today needs to do is read more, learn more about general history.
0: Are we at that age now? Where we, <laughs> we're, oh, God, where we're disgruntled yeah, by the into a youth? Grumpy old man, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the yeah, youth so of today. Every, to...
1: every generation's getting worse and worse. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I
0: did see. But, but when you were so... a kid, didn't you hear that? Didn't you? I remember being at school and being like told we're the worst generation yet and. Isn't every generation the worst one yet? Oh yeah,
1: and, and humanity will descend into a pit of absolute shit. <laughs> I think that's just what's going to happen
0: really. Or is it change? Oh, well, or I think or we oh, just seeing change and as we get to this age we don't necessarily understand the change? I feel that whilst technology
1: is great, And has enabled us to expand our knowledge especially with the internet even though the internet is biased because we can only learn what people have decided to put on there whether that is true or not is you know down to other off internet learning that we can do which is why I think people need to read more and not just off the internet um, there is a, a certain element of uh, segregation that has happened and the, I've, I've, we are totally gone off sub, subject now but I feel the generations that are coming through now um, are basically saying well this is just who we are accepting and whilst that's all fine and well for mental well-being there is a certain degree of people don't care about other people anymore because they just go well that is just how it is accept it and there's a certain degree
0: of respect that's being lost and respect I don't, they they may say and these are all just questions respect for other people's feelings I guess what we're what we're starting to, our generation of feeling and, and seeing is this kind of this lack of empathy to yeah empathy and care towards yeah anyone else. Lack of respect is what yeah. I see it as. It's the, it's the disrespect
1: of I am, I am the most important thing. I don't really care about anything else. As long as I'm happy, doesn't matter about anything else. Now we're supposed to be you know. The generation or the, the next generation is supposed to be the generation that was going to save the planet. Well, they're not going to save the planet with that attitude because it's all self, self, self. You've got to be putting it out there for the rest of the planet. to, if you're going to salvage anything, you know, we look at Star Trek and, and things like that as this is potentially where humanity is going. Well, I can't see us getting anywhere off this planet or
0: there being anything left if this is the sort of attitude that keeps on going. Is the way that, that the media is consumed now, because it's a hell of a lot different now than when we were younger. Yeah. Do you think that's got anything to do with it?
1: I think the way that we process information has a lot to do with it. I think the quality of the information Um. It goes back to what I said a moment ago, how I feel that the younger generation, if it's not on social media or TikTok or any sort of stream,
0: then they're not interested. Mm. See, as a parent, I struggled with a long time with trying to keep my children away from social media Yeah, and trying to keep them away from that kind of thing of online communities Mm. because I wanted them to be involved with real world communities. Yeah. However, the real world communities have kind of disappeared for their generation. Yeah. For instance, my, my, my son doesn't, doesn't go out so much. He's on his PlayStation because that's where his friends are. Mm. There isn't, you know, there isn't, they don't hang out at the park or, or go to X place or they don't go to, they don't go to a Mm. thing anymore. That, um, then,
1: but then that's where theatre comes back in. Where because, theatre comes in. Why because, is that important? Because it gives you community. You know, if you turn up to an audition... Uh, let's, let's go back to ninety seven. I moved down from Newcastle to Harlow, knowing nobody apart from my immediate family. And I happened to get a job, and the my line manager happens to say so what you know what what do you do what is it oh uh, I've just moved down from Newcastle I've just done an acting course um, so I'm hoping to go to London and get some acting work oh my daughter is involved at the Harlow Playhouse I can put you in contact with them so that was uh, June and by that September I auditioned because I got introduced to people at the Playhouse. I auditioned for the Panther that year and got a part. And if I hadn't of had theatre, I wouldn't have the life that I've got now. No, that's for sure. I wouldn't have met my wife. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't, uh, you know. That, and when you get involved in theatre, especially like amateur theatre, everyone has their own work job background experiences. But the one commonality is the fact that you want to do theatre and you might go see shows, you might enjoy the same sort of things, you might be a musical person, so then you might have been seeing the same musicals, you might like the same actors or performers. You've got commonalities that you can talk about and you have that community. And especially, you know, with this building, it was owned by Essex County Council the playhouse had closed because the the playhouse uh, the the council had closed the playhouse to fund, apparently some sort of funding issue, and all of the people from there descended into this. It was a youth hall, youth theatre, uh, uh, youth club. Youth club, yeah, that was it. <laughs> it's tend not to exist anymore. Youth clubs, do mm-hmm. That's why I was struggling to find yeah. the words. Um, it was a youth club from Essex County Council, and uh, the actors built a stage, a makeshift stage, and they put in some seats, and they started doing their shows from here. And this became a new community. You know, the, there was a community that existed in the Playhouse, and whilst the venue closed down, the community still existed and thrived, and just moved to another place, and that community then over the years evolved into what now is the victoria hall performing arts association that bought this building off essex county council how many other communities would you know do that sort of thing and you know we've
0: Um, and and how that's enriched your your life it's so many lives so many lives Yeah. yeah and everyone that's involved so so is that your message to the youth then get involved with theatre
1: get involved with a group
0: get, get involved, involved with, with community with community
1: whether that is helping out at an old folks home chatting to the old folk learning about their history learning about everything they've been through everything they sacrificed so that they could sit and stream netflix in their comfort of their um you know um central heated house you know, Learn from others. Is what you're Learn from others. Yeah. Learn. Ask questions. Find out things. Um, be as knowledgeable as you can possibly be, because it will inform your choices in life: what you want to do, who you want to become, what sort of what sort of legacy you want to leave. And if you are that way inclined, get involved in local theatre. There's a lot of people poo-poo amateur dramatics and things like that, but. We've got lots of people who have done amateur theatre who have gone on to bigger and better things. You know, uh, Brian Herring, you did amateur theatre, he's you know, been in all of the, the new Star Wars movies. Um, he now goes to Comic-Con conferences as BBA and things like that. Uh, uh, David gadami from EastEnders, he was Puck on this very stage as a nine-year-old um, and has gone on to do th- TV and you know Strictly Come Dancing you know a lot of people go oh my god I'd love to do it Strictly well you know there are routes that you can go down mm-hmm. and there are other aspiring uh, professional
0: actors who started off on this stage but, but what we get into here as well is it's not just the profession and it's not just the career or the or as you've had this career path or these jobs or these businesses it's about the people Yeah, it's about the people people that that
1: you you meet, the people that you rub along with, that you can help
0: out or can help you or can make friends, make
1: friends, you know,
0: uh, and and, and make friends and meet wives and husbands. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And other life skills, you know, you, you
1: learn how to talk to other people of other generations and other backgrounds and be open and accepting. You know the amount of gay friends or people who are you know transitioned or who are cross-dressers or you know whatever label that they want to have, whether they're a heelwalker a, a, a a a or a, a lamppost or what you know, <laughs> whatever it is that you want to identify <laughs> as. Oh, just, I just don't know what that, I said lamppost, but yeah, it's um as as performers as creatives, you are just accepting you know, are you a nice person? Yes. Great. Then we can be friends. Mm -hmm. Well, Well, I hope somebody's been listening to this. I hope nobody's
0: listening. (laughs) We went
1: off on the right tangent here.
0: So, uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to, um, ask you something that's, uh, that's quite relevant at the moment, hot topic. And uh be uh, the
1: cookers, they <laughs> Any other hot oh,
0: topics? Air fryers, air fryers, Now, air fryers. Air fryers. Air, no, air fries. I air only discovered fries. air fryers within the last year, oh. and uh, it's changed my life using an air fryer. Okay, I was just joking about air fryers, but never mind. But uh, <laughs> no, the, no. The hot topic at the moment is AI. Now, the reason I wanted to talk to you about AI oh. is because I talk to a lot of. Creative people, and yeah. there are some different opinions. But well, uh, but you're, so, uh, you're before someone. We, that's...
1: Before we talk any more about AI, hmm. I I'll have to say, if we decide to go on on this subject, I will go on strike. <laughs> you got. Yeah, I shall sure in solidarity with my other creative brothers and
0: sisters. Um, well, there is some there is some definite dangers there in, in AI, isn't there? Some worries for creativity. Yes. Maybe we'll the reason this I the wanted podcast, to talk to though, you is. Do we not save this for another podcast? We could save this for another podcast, if you like. We could save this for next time. Because this could go on. This could go this on. Is a a, this, this is a, is a deep, as you deep say, subject. It's a hot topic. Hot
1: topic. There's a lot going on
0: okay. in the industry. So right. I'll leave it with, with this then that there are some benefits to AI. Yeah. And you've discovered some ways to, to use AI to support you. Yeah. Um, but there are also some, some, some dangers for for creatives and for actors, for writers, for, for yeah, for filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. There are, some, there, are some, there are a lot of unknowns ahead of us. Yes, there's a lot of opportunities, but there are also
1: um, things that are going to further restrict anybody new trying to get into the business. And that is why people are striking.
0: But so yeah, we'll, we'll 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 save that for part two. So save that for part two. Yeah. Oh, well, I would like to come back to this in about about maybe ten or fifteen episodes time. Lovely this conversation. Yeah. Um, See if we can uh, see to be how honest, li-
1: there's so much we could have spoken about. There is, a, there, could, oh, there is literally, a lot more for it. I mean, how many episodes do you think we've got in just us two? <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I, many, many. There is, there is a lot for us to talk about. I'll well, just be, I'll I'll be the person
1: as... who you come to when you've run out of uh, <laughs> guests run out for a while.
0: Of like, oh, Jim, i will run out of people. <laughs> can you come and I'm I mean, all right. We'll find it. We'll find it. But um, But I think the most important thing with episode one is we did episode one. Yeah, we did episode one. That was it. The the, the most important thing is getting started. And we got started. Yeah, it's good. We just, we did it today. This uh, was the beginning. Tell
1: everyone um, if they've got no time, no, if they've got too much time on their hands (laughs) and got nothing on in their lives, then come listen to us for rambling on. Or alternatively... If uh if you're on like a long
0: car journey Perfect Perfect.
1: Yeah. Like
0: I, I don't know how long we've been talking. I don't know. We'll, we may edit this down a bit, but uh, I yeah. think this is um I mean it's if, quarter if, to twelve, Jim. Have you not got somewhere to be? Yeah, I'll do have somewhere to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's, cool. um, it's, it's so a couple of a good a few hours. Um so yeah, if well, it's still got if well, you you've got th- if you've got um if you like
1: driving from London to Edinburgh, we'll give you the unedited version. Um, but if, if it's Martin a quick then run. edits out anything that isn't really that important, um, you can probably drive from Holler at Stortford. We'll
0: see. <laughs> well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate, appreciate it this morning. Thank you very much. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. All right. Good work. So that was the first episode done and dusted with Jim Thompson. What was important about doing that first episode was that that we got it done. Um, There have been some mistakes, some errors. Um, My interviewing technique is something to be desired and something for me to, to work on. But the thing is, I couldn't work on it unless I did it. So you have to get started. You have to start being bad. You have to go through the struggles and the pains and the the disappointments and the errors to try and make something better and to try and make something good. And um, you also have to be brave and put that thing out there into the world and let others judge it, which I'm sure they will do. There may be some moments in there which, which you can have a laugh at. at. So you can't even get my words right, and I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just important to start. Not let anything stop you in the beginning. Because there's going to be a lot of obstacles and a lot of things, a lot of barriers in your way. But now that we're going, uh, I hope to put one of these podcasts out there every week. And I hope uh, and look forward to the journey that these podcasts may take me on. And uh, I'm glad that you're coming along with me. So thank you. I'm very grateful. Gratitude. That's what we need to bring up in a podcast. We need to talk about gratitude. So if there's anyone in particular you'd like me to reach out at, or if you would like to have a conversation about your creative life creative needs creative wants um get in contact with me Uh, let's have a conversation and let's see if we can spread some inspiration uh, and create a legacy done